Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. It's spooky season. We're starting the day early because, like, we can't wait. Yeah, I mean, technically, spooky season starts in October, I guess people would say. But, like, our spooky season started in August. Right, Peyton? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, for those of you who don't know, Coraline is about a little girl who moves into a new house. And she soon discovers a door. Mm-hmm. And this door under the stairs leads to... A new world which is kind of like the opposite of the world that she lives in meaning she walks through and it's like her house but it's the mirror image so instead of your front door being on the right side it's on the left side instead of walking into your house and your stores are on the left on your opposite side it's on the right hand side stairs sorry I meant stairs if I said did I say stores yes I'm losing my mind so Basically, it's her house, but the opposite. And everybody in there, except for the cat, yeah. right? Has, no, the cat can talk. Yes, but everyone in there has buttons for eyes. Oh, yeah. So it's very peculiar because she doesn't understand why. And they refer to themselves as the other mother or the other father or the other whatever it is, that whoever that person or is. But what Coraline... No, it's not the other cat. It's the same cat because the cat knows how to go through. But the cat can. Yeah, the cat can go back and forth to the worlds. But then how can the cat talk? The cat can talk in the other world, just not in the regular world. So there's a twist at the end of this for those of you who haven't read the book or watched the movie because it gets scary because the other mother wants to keep Coraline as her daughter forever. So that she can't go back to her normal people. So let's read about it. Ready? Was that a good description of the, of the book? Yeah. All right. Chapter one. Coraline discovered a, the door a little while after they moved into the house. It was a very old house. It had an attic under the roof with a cellar under the ground. Underground. Oh, under the ground. And an overgrown garden with huge old trees in it. Coraline's family didn't own all of the house. It was too big for that. Instead, they owned part of it. There were other people who lived in the other house. Miss Spink and Miss Forcible lived in the flat below Coraline's on the ground floor. They were both old and round, and they lived in their flat with a number of aging Highland Terriers who had names like Hamish and Andrew and Jacques. Once upon a time, Miss Spink and Miss Forcible had been actresses, and Miss, as Miss Spink told Coraline the first time she met her. You see, Coraline, Mrs. Spink said, getting Coraline's name wrong. Oh, she calls her Caroline. You see, oh, Caroline. You see, Caroline, Mrs. Spink said, getting Coraline's name wrong. Both myself and Miss Forcible were famous actresses in our time. We trod the boards, lovey. Oh, don't let Hamish eat the fruitcake, or he'll be up all night with his tummy. It's Coraline, not Caroline. Coraline, said Coraline. 
In the flat above Coraline's, under the roof, was a crazy old man with a big mustache. He told Coraline that he was tra training a mouse circus. He wouldn't let anyone see it. One day, little Caroline, when, I, when they are all ready, everyone in the whole world will see the wonders of my mouse circus. You ask me why you cannot know, see it now? That is, is that what you've asked? No, said Coraline quietly. I asked you not to call me Caroline, it's Coraline. The reason you cannot see my mouse circus, he said, is that the mice are not ready yet and rehearsed. Also, they refuse to play the songs I have written for them. All the songs I have written for the mice to play are, they go oomfa, oomfa, but the white mice will only play toodly doo like that. I am thinking of trying them on different types of cheese. Coraline did not think that there was really a mouse circus. She thought that the old man was probably making it up. The day after they moved in, Coraline went exploring. She explored the garden. It was it was a bigger garden. It was a big garden. <laughs> At the very back was an old tennis court, but no one in the house played tennis, and the fence around the courts had holes in it, and the net had mostly rotted away. There was an old rose garden filled with stunted, fly-bound rose bushes. There was an old rockery that was all rocks. There was a fairy ring made of squidgy brown toadstools, which smelled of dreadful if you accidentally trod on them. There was also a well. On the first day Coraline's family moved in, Miss Spink and Miss Forcible made a point telling Coraline how dangerous the well was, and they warned her to be sure she kept away from it. So Coraline set off to explore for it so that she knew where it was to keep away from it properly. She found it on the third day in an overgrown meadow beside the tennis court, behind the clump of trees, a low brick circle, almost hidden in the high grass. The well had been covered up by wooden boards to stop anyone from falling in. There was a small knot hole in one of the boards, and Coraline spent the afternoon dropping pebbles and acorns through the holes and waiting and counting until she heard the plop as they hit the water from far below. Coraline also explored for animals. She found a hedgehog, a snake skin, but no snake, and a rock that looked like a frog, and a toad that looked like a rock. There were also there was also a haughty black cat who sat on the walls and, and tree stumps and watched her but slip away if she ever went over to try and play with it. How was how that was how she spent the first two weeks. Um, wait, no, that was how she spent the first two weeks in the house, exploring the garden and the grounds. Her mother made her come back inside for dinner and for lunch, and Coraline had to make sure she dressed warm before she went out, for it was very cold summer that year. But uh, but go out she did, exploring every day until it rained, and then Coraline had st had to stay inside. What should I do? Asked Coraline. Read a book, said her mother. Watch a video. Play with your toys. Go and pester Mrs. Spink or Miss Forcible or that crazy old man upstairs. No, Coraline said. I don't want to do those things. I want to explore. I don't really mind what you do, Coraline's mother said, as long as you don't make a mess. Coraline went over to the window and watched the rain come down. It wasn't the kind of rain that you could go out in. It was the kind of rain, the kind that drew itself from the sky and splashed where it landed. It was the rain that meant business, and currently its business was turning the garden into a muddy, wet soup. 
Coraline had watched all the videos. She was bored with her toys, and she'd read all of her books. She'd turned on the television, and she went from channel to channel, but there was nothing on but men in suits talking about the stock market and talk shows. Eventually, she found something to watch. It was a last of a natural history program about something called protective coloration. She watched animals, birds, and insects, which disguised themselves as leaves or twigs or other animals to escape from things that could hurt them. She enjoyed it, but it ended too soon and was followed by a program about a cake factory. It was time to talk to her father. Coraline's father was home, but... Both of her parents worked doing things on computers, which meant they were home a lot of the time. Each of them had their own study. Hello, Coraline, he said when she came in without turning around. Hmm, said Coraline, it's raining. Yep, said her father. It's bucketing down. No, Coraline said, it's just raining. Can I go outside? What does your mother say? She says, do not go into the weather like that, Coraline Jones. In the, in the movie, it says, don't even think about it, Coraline Jones, right? Yeah. yeah. Then, nope, but I want to carry on exploring. Then explore the flat, suggested her father. Look, here's a piece of paper and a pen. Count all the doors and windows. List everything blue. Mount an expedition discover on the hot water tank and leave me alone to work. Can I go out? Can I go into the drawing room? The drawing room is where the Joneses kept the expensive and uncomfortable furniture that Coraline's grandmother had left when she died. Coraline wasn't in there. Nobody went in there. It was only for the best. If you don't make a mess and you don't touch anything. Coraline considered this carefully. She looked inside and took the paper and pen and went off to explore the inside of the flat. She discovered the hot water tank. It was in a cupboard in the kitchen. She counted everything blue. 153 things. She counted the windows. 21 windows. She counted the doors. 14 doors. Wow, that's a lot of doors, huh? Of the doors that she found, 13 opened and closed. The other, the big carved brown wooden door at the far corner of the drawing room, was locked. She said to her mother, where does that door go? Nowhere, dear. Well, it has to go somewhere. Her mother shook her head. Look, she told Coraline. She reached up and took out a string of keys from the top of the kitchen doorframe. She sorted through them carefully and then selected the oldest, biggest, blackest, rustiest key. They went into the drawing room and she unlocked the door with a key. The door swung open. Her mother was right. The door didn't go anywhere. It was it opened to a brick wall. When this place was just one house, Coraline's mother said, that door went somewhere. When they turned this house into flats, it simply bricked up. The other side of the is the other side is the empty flat on the other side of the house that's still for sale. She shut the door and put that string of keys back on the kitchen doorframe. You didn't lock it, Coraline said. Her mother shrugged. Why should I lock it? She said. It doesn't go anywhere. Coraline didn't say anything. It was nearly dark outside, and the rain was still coming down, pattering against the windows, blurring the lights of the cars in the streets. Coraline's father stopped working and made them all dinner. Coraline was disgusted. Daddy, she said, you've made a recipe again. It's leek and potato stew with tarragon garnish and melted Gruyere cheese, he admitted. Coraline sighed. Then, when she went to the freezer and got out some microwave chips and a microwave mini pizza, no, oh, and a microwave mini pizza, chips in, um, in, 
UK is called, is just French fries. So that means French fries and pizza. You know I don't like recipes, she told her father. Well, dinner, her, well, her dinner went around and around and the little red numbers on the microwave counted down to zero. If you tried it, maybe you'd like it, said Coraline's father. But she shook her head. That night, Coraline lay awake in her bed. The rain had stopped and she was almost asleep when something went and she sat up in bed. Something went creak. Coraline got out of bed and looked down the hall, but she saw nothing strange. She walked down the hall from her parents' room and came to a low snoring. That was her father and the occasional sleeping mother. Mutter. That was her mother. Mutter. Mutter Mutter from her mother. Coraline wondered if she dreamt it, whatever it was. Something moved. It was a little more than a shadow and it scuttled across the darkened hall fast, like a patch of of night. She hoped it wasn't a spider. Spider made made Coraline's intensely uncomfortable. The black shape went into the drawing room and Coraline followed it nervously. The room was dark and the only light that came from the hall and Coraline, who was standing in the doorway, cast a huge distorted shadow in the drawing room carpet. She looked like a giant thin woman. Coraline just wondering whether or not she ought to turn the light lights turn on the lights when she saw the black shape edge slowly from beneath the sofa. It paused, then dashed silently across the carpet towards the furthest corner of the room. There was no furniture in that corner of the room. Coraline turned on the light. There was nothing in the corner, nothing but the old door that was open to the brick wall. She was sure that her mother had shut that door, but now it was ever so slightly open, just a crack. Coraline went over just to look in, and there was nothing there, just a wall built of bricks. Coraline closed the old wooden door and turned out the light and went to bed. She dreamed of black shapes that slid from the place to from place to place, avoiding the light until they were all gathered together in the, under the moon. Little black stri- shapes with red eyes and sharp yellow teeth. S- they stared to s- started to sing, We are small, but we are many. We are many, we are small. Why, we were here for you, Rose. We will be here when you fall. Oh, we were here before you rose. We will be here when you fall. Oh, so, so that means like we're here before you woke up. We'll be here when you fall asleep. Their voices were high and whispering and slightly whiny. They made Coraline feel uncomfortable. Then Coraline dreamed a few commercials. Well, and like, up like as in like when you were born and then down when you, or like fall as in like Yeah, yep. The voices were high and whispering and slightly whiny. They made Coraline feel uncomfortable. Then Coraline dreamed of a few commercials, and after that, she <laughs> she dreamt of nothing at all. Ow. The next day, it had stopped raining, but a thick white... Oh, chapter two. Sorry. Chapter two. The next day, it had stopped raining, but a thick white fog had lowered over the house. I'm going to go for a walk, Coraline said. Don't go too far, said her mother, and dress up warmly. Coraline put on her blue coat with a hood, her red scarf, and her yellow Wellington boots. She went out. Mrs. Spink was walking her dogs. Hello, Coraline, Mrs. Spink said. Rotten weather. Yes, Coraline said. I played Portia once, said Mrs. Spink. Miss Forcible talks about her Ophelia, but it was my Portia that came that they came to see when we trod the broad the boards. Miss Spink was bundled up in all of her pullovers and cardigans, so she seemed more small and circular than ever. She looked like a large fluffy egg. 
She wore thick glasses that made her eyes seem huge. They used to send us flowers in my dressing room. They did, she said. Who did, Coraline asked. Mrs. Spink looked around cautiously, looking over one of her shoulders and then the other, peering into the mist as though somebody might be listening. Men, she whispered. Then she tugged the dog's heel and waddled off back into her house. Coraline continued her walk. She was three quarters of the way around the house when she saw Mrs. Forcible standing at the door of the flat when she, that she shared with Miss Spink. Have you seen Miss Spink, Caroline? Uh, Coraline told her that she had and that Miss Spink was walking the dogs. I do hope she doesn't get lost. I'll bring her some shingles if she does, you'll see, Miss Forcible said. You have to be an explorer to find your way around this fog. I am an explorer, said Coraline. Of course you are, lovey, Mrs. Forcible said. Don't get lost now. Coraline continued walking through the gardens in the gray mist. She always kept sight of the house. After about ten minutes of walking, she found herself back where she had started. The hair over her eyes was limp and wet, and her face felt damp. Ahoy, Coraline, called the crazy old man upstairs. Uh, oh, hello, oh, Caroline, sorry, I forgot he called her Caroline. Uh, oh, hello, said Coraline. She could hardly see the old man through the mist. He walked down the steps on the outside of the house that led past Coraline's front door to the door of his flat. He walked slowly down. Coraline waited at the bottom of the stairs. The mice do not like the mist, he told her. It makes their whiskers droop. Well, I don't like the mist much either, admitted Coraline. The old man leaned down so close to the bottom of his mustache that it tickled Coraline's ear. The mice have a message for you, he whispered. Coraline didn't know what to say. The message that is this. Don't go through the door, he paused. Does that mean anything to you? No, said Coraline. The old man shrugged. They are funny, the mice. They get things wrong. They got your name wrong, you know. They keep saying Coraline, not Caroline. Not Coraline at all. He picked up a milk bottle from the bottom of the stairs and started back up to his flat. Coraline went indoors. Her mother was working on her study. Her mother's study smelled of flowers. What shall I do? asked Coraline. Well, when you get back from school, asked her mother. Next week. Or when do you go, when do you go back to school? asked her mother. Next week, said Coraline. Huh, said her mother. Well, I suppose I have to get you new clothes. Remind me, dear, or else I'll forget. And she went back to typing the things on the computer. What shall I do? Coraline repeated. Draw something, her mother said, and passed her a sheet of paper and a ballpoint pen. Coraline tried drawing the mist. After ten minutes of drawing, she had still a white sheet of paper with M-I-S-T written on it. And it was written on the corner with slightly wiggly letters. She drew it! Yeah. (laughs) She grunted and passed it to her mother. Hmm, very modern, dear, said Coraline's mother. Coraline crept on the drawing room and tried to open the the old door in the corner. It was locked once more. She supposed her mother must have locked it again. She shrugged. Coraline went to go see her father. He had his back to the door as he typed. Go away, he said cheerfully as she walked in. I'm bored. Learn how to tap dance, he suggested without turning around. Coraline shook her head. Why don't you play with me, she asked. Busy, he said. Working, he added. He still hadn't turned around to look at her. Why don't you go bother Mrs. Spink and Miss Forcible? Coraline put her coat on and pulled up her hood and went out of the house. She went downstairs and she rang the doorbell of Mrs. Spink and Mrs. Forcible's flat. 
Coraline could hear a frenzy's woofing as the Scotty dogs ran into the hall. After a while, Miss Spink opened the door. Oh, it's you, Caroline, she said. Angus Hamish Bruce, down now, loveys. It's only Caroline. Come in, dear. Would you, would you like a cup of tea? The flat smelled of furniture polish and dogs. Yes, please, said Coraline. Miss Spink led her to a dusty room, which she called the parlor. On the walls were black and white photography, photographs of pretty women, and theater programs and frames. Mrs. Forcible was sitting in one of the armchairs, knitting hard. They poured Coraline a cup of tea and a little pink bone china cup with a saucer. They gave her a dry Garibaldi biscuit to go with it. When Miss Forcible looked at Miss Spink, picked up her, night, her knitting, and took a deep breath, Anyways, April, as I was saying, you have to admit there's a life in the dog, the old dog yet. Miriam, dear, none of us is as young as we were. Madam Artica, replied Miss Forcible, the nurse is in Romeo. Lady Bacnell, character parts, or caricature parts, they can't retire you from the stage. Now, Miriam, we agreed, said Miss Spink. Coraline wondered if she had forgotten if they had forgotten that she was there. They weren't making much sense. She decided that they were having an argument as old and comfortable as an armchair. The kind of argument that no one will ever really win or lose, but can go on forever if both parties are willing. She sipped her tea. I'll read the leaves if you want, said Mrs. Spink to Coraline. Sorry? The tea leaves, dear. I'll read your future. Coraline passed Miss Spink her cup. Mrs. Spink peered short-sightedly at the black leaves in the bottom. She pursed her lips. You know, Cor Caroline, she said, after a while, you are in terrible danger. Miss Forcible snorted and put that down her knitting. Oh, don't be silly, April. Stop scaring the girl. Your eyes are going. Pass me that cup, child. Coraline carried the cup over to Miss Forcible, and Miss Forcible looked at it carefully, shook her head, and looked again. Oh, dear, she said. You're right, April. She is in danger. See, Miriam, said Miss Spink triumphantly. My eyes are as good as they ever were. What am I in danger from, Coraline's asked. Miss Spink and Miss Forcible stared blankly. It didn't say, said Miss Spink. Tea leaves aren't reliable for that kind of thing. Not really. They're good for general, but not for specifics. Well, what should I do, asked Coraline, who was slightly alarmed by this. Don't wear green in your dressing room, suggested Mrs. Spink. Or mention the Scottish play, added Miss Forcible. Coraline wondered why so few of the adults had made any sense. She sometimes wondered who they thought they were talking to. And be very, very careful, Mrs. Spink said. She got up from the armchair and went over to the fireplace on the mantel. It was, and it was just a jar, and Miss Spink took off the top of the jar and began pulling things out of it. There were a tiny china duck, a thimble, a strange little brass coin, two paper clips, and a stone with a hole in it. She passed, passed Coraline the stone with a hole in it. What's it for? asked Coraline. The hole went up, went all the way through the middle of the stone. She held it up to the window and looked through it. It might help, said Miss Spink. They're good for bad things sometimes. Coraline put on her coat to say goodbye to Miss Spink and Miss Forcible and the other dogs and went outside. The mist hung like blindness around the house. She walked slowly to the stairs and up to her family's flat, then stopped and looked around. In the mist, it was a ghost world. In danger, thought Coraline to herself. It sounded exciting. It didn't sound like a bad thing, not really. Coraline went back upstairs and her fists closed tightly around her new stone. Chapter 3 
The next day, the sun shone, and Coraline's mother took her to the nearest large town to buy clothes for school. They dropped her father off in the railway station. He was going to London for the day to see some people. Coraline waved goodbye. They went to the department store uh, to buy some school clothes. Coraline saw some day-glow green gloves, and she liked it a lot. Her mother refused to buy them for her, preferring instead to buy the white socks and navy blue school underpant, four gray blouses, and a dark gray skirt. But, Mom, everybody at school's going to be going to be wearing gray blouses and everything. Nobody's got the green gloves. I could be the only one. Her mother ignored her. She was talking to the shop assistant. They were talking about which kind of sweater to get for Coraline and were agreeing that the best thing to do would be able to get one that was embarrassingly large and baggy in the hopes that one day she might grow into it. Coraline wandered off and looked at a display of Wellington boots shaped like frogs and ducks and rabbits. Then she wandered back. Coraline, oh, there you are. Where on earth were you? I was kidnapped by aliens, Coraline said. They came down from outer space with ray guns, and I fooled them by wearing a wig and laughing in a foreign accent, and I escaped. Yes, dear. Now, what, what, I think that you should do some, some, uh, I think you should do with some more hair clips, don't you? No. Well, let's say half a dozen to be on the safe side, she said. Coraline didn't say anything. In the car on the way back home, Coraline said, what's in the empty flat? I don't know. Nothing, I expect. Probably like our flat when we moved in. Empty rooms. Do you think we can get in from our flat? Not unless you walk through the bricks, dear. Oh. They got home around lunchtime, and the sun was shining all through the day, and it was cold. Coraline's mother looked into the fridge and found a little, a sad little tomato, a piece of cheese with green stuff growing on it, and there was only crust the crust in the bread bin. Well, I'd better dash down to the shops to get some fish fingers or something, her mother said. Do you want to come? No, said Coraline. Suit yourself, said her mother, and left. Then she came back and got her purse and her keys and went out again. Coraline was bored. She flipped through her book and her mother that her mother was reading about native people in the distant country. However, a day every day they would take pieces of white silk and draw on them and wax, then dip them dip the silk and dye, then draw them some more and dye them some more, then boil the wax out of the hot water and then finally throw the now beautiful clothes in a fire and burn them to ashes. What? It's weird. That's what the native people did in the book she was reading about. It seemed particularly pointless to Coraline, but she hoped that the people enjoyed it. She was still bored and her mother wasn't home yet. Coraline got to a chair and pushed it over to the kitchen door. She climbed onto the chair and reached up. She got down, then got a broom from the broom cupboard, and she climbed back up the chair again to reach it with the broom. Chink! She climbed down from the chair and picked up the keys. She smiled triumphantly. Then she leaned the broom against the wall and went into the drawing room. The family did not use the drawing room. They had inherited the furniture from Coraline's grandmother, along with a wooden coffee table, a side table, a heavy glass ashtray, and an oil painting of a bowl of fruit. Coraline could never work out how, why anyone would want to paint a bowl of fruit. Other than that, the room was empty. There were no knickknacks on the mantle, no statues or clocks, nothing that made it feel comfortable or lived in. The old black key felt colder than any of the others. She pushed it into the keyhole and turned it smoothly with a, a satisfying clunk. Coraline stopped and listened. 
She knew she was doing something wrong and she was trying to listen for her mother to come back, but she heard nothing. Then Coraline put her hand on the doorknob and turned it, and finally she opened the door. It opened to a dark hallway. The bricks had gone as if they had never been there before. It was a cold, musty smell coming through that open doorway, and it smelled something very old and very slow. Coraline went through the door. She wondered what the empty flat would be like if that were if that was where the corridor led. Coraline walked down that corridor uneasily. There was something very familiar about it. The carpet beneath her feet was the same carpet that they had in their flat. The wallpaper seemed the same wallpaper that they had. The pictures hung on the wall in the same that they had hung in their hallway at home. She knew where she was. She was in her home. She hadn't left. She shook her head confused. She stared at the pictures hanging on the wall. No, it wasn't exactly the same. The picture that they had on their own hallway shown a boy in old-fashioned clothing staring at bubbles. Now the expression on his face was different. He was looking at the bubbles as if he was planning to do something very nasty indeed to them. And there was something peculiar about his eyes. Coraline stared at his eyes, trying to figure out exactly what was different. She almost had had it when somebody said, Coraline? It sounded like her mother. Coraline went into the kitchen where the voice had come from. A woman stood in the kitchen with her back up to Coraline. She looked like her own, like Coraline's own mother. Only, only her skin was paper white. Only she was taller and thinner. Only her fingers were too long and they never stopped moving. And her dark red fingernails were curved and sharp. Coraline, said the woman, is that you? And then she turned around. Her eyes were big, black buttons. Lunchtime, Coraline, said the woman. Who are you? asked Coraline. Well, I'm your mother, dear, said the woman. Go and tell your father. Oh, I'm your other mother, said the woman. Go and tell your other father that lunch is ready. She opened the door of the oven. Suddenly, Coraline realized how hungry it was. she was. It smelled wonderful. Go on. Coraline went down the hall to where her father's study was. She opened the door, and there was a man sitting there with, on his keyboard with his back to her. Hello, Coraline said. I, I mean, she said that lunch is ready. The man, the man turned around. His eyes were buttons, big and black and shiny. Hello, Coraline, he said. I'm starving. He got up and went with her into the kitchen. They sat at the kitchen table, and Coraline's other mother brought them lunch. A huge, golden-brown roasted chicken, fried potatoes, tiny green peas. Coraline shoveled the food into her mouth. It tasted wonderful. We've been waiting for you for a long time, Coraline's other father said. For me? Yes, said the other woman. It wasn't the same here without you. But we knew you'd arrive in one day, and then we could be a proper family. Would you like some more chicken? It was the best chicken that Coraline had ever eaten. Her mother sometimes made chicken, but it was always out of the same old packets or frozen, and it was dry and it never tasted like anything. When Coraline's father cooked chicken, he bought real chicken and did strange things to it, like stewing it in wine or stuffing it with prunes or baking it in pastry, and Coraline could always would always refuse to touch it on principle. She took she took some more chicken. Um, I didn't know I had an, an other mother, Coraline said cautiously. Of course.
course you do. Everyone does, said the other mother, her black button eyes gleaming. After lunch, I thought you might like to play with your old room with, in your old room with the rats. The rats? From upstairs. Coraline had never seen a rat, except on television. She was quite, she was quite looking forward to it. This was turning out to be a very interesting day after all. After lunch, her other parents did the washing up and Coraline went down the hall to her other bedroom. It was different from her bedroom at home. For starts, it was painted in an off-putting shade of green and a peculiar shade of pink. Coraline decided that she wouldn't want to have she wouldn't want to have to sleep in there, but that the color scheme was an awful lot more interesting than her own bedroom. There were all sorts of remarkable things there she had never seen before. The wind-up angels that floated around the bedroom like startled sparrows. Books with pictures withered and crawled and shimmered. Little dinosaur skulls that chattered their teeth when she passed. A whole toy box filled with wonderful toys. This is more like it, thought Coraline. She looked out the window. Outside, the view was the same that she had seen from her own bedroom. Trees, fields, and beyond them, on the horizon, a distant... Fields. Fields. And beyond them and the horizon, distant purple purple hills. Something black scurried across the floor and vanished under the bed. Coraline got down to her knees and looked under the bed. Fifty little red eyes stared back at her. Hello, Coraline, said. Are you the rats? They came out from under her bed, their eyes blinking in the light. They had short, soot-black fur, little red eyes, pink paws and tiny little hands, and pink, hairless tail like a long, smooth worm. Can you talk? she asked. The largest, ba- the largest, blackest of the rats shook his head. It had an unpleasant sort of smile, Coraline thought. Well, asked Coraline, Coraline, what do you do? The rats formed in a circle. Then they began to climb up on top of each other, carefully but swiftly, until they had, they had formed a pyramid with the largest rat on top. The rats began to sing in high, whispery voices. We have teeth, we have tails, we have tails, we have eyes. We were here before you fell, you were here before we rise. Uh, It wasn't a pretty song, Coraline was sure that she had heard it before, or something like it, although she was unable to remember exactly where. Then the pyramid fell apart and the rats scampered fast and back towards the door. The other crazy old woman upstairs was standing in the doorway, holding a tall black hat in his hands the other crazy old man oh the crazy old man and he scampered him up and whoa hold on did i miss one Uh oh the rats scampered up him burrowing into his pockets and into his shirt and up his trousers and down his neck the largest rat climbed onto the man's old old man's shoulders swung up on the long gray tail must gray mustache past the black button eyes and onto the top of the man's head In seconds, the only evidence that the rats were even there was a restless lump under the man's clothes, forever sliding from place to place across him. There was still the largest rat who stared down with glittering eyes at Coraline from the man's head. The old man put his hat on and the last rat was gone. Hello, Coraline, said the other other old man upstairs. I heard that you were here. It's time for the rats to have their dinner. But you can come up with me if you'd like and watch them feed. There was something hungry in that old but old man's button eyes that made Coraline feel uncomfortable. No, thank you, she said. I'm going to outside to explore. The old man nodded. 
very slowly. Coraline could hear the rats whispering to each other, although she could not tell what they were saying. She was not certain that she wanted to know what they were saying. Her other parents stood in the kitchen doorway as she walked down the corridor, smiling, identical smiles, and waving slowly. Have a nice time outside, her other mother said. We'll just wait for you here to come back, said her other father. Then, Coraline, when Coraline got to the front door, she turned back and looked at them. They were still watching her and waving and smiling. Coraline walked outside and down the steps. Chapter 4 the house looked exactly the same from the outside, or almost exactly the same. Around Miss Spink and Miss Forcible, the doors were blue and red light bulbs that flashed on and off, spelling out words. The lights chased each other around the door and off and on, around, the, around and around. Outstanding was followed by a theatrical and triumph. It was a sunny, cold day, exactly like the one that she'd left. There was a polite noise from behind her. She turned around. Standing on the wall next to her was a large black cat, identical to the large black cat that she had seen on the grounds. Good afternoon, said the cat. Its voice sounded like the voice of the back of Coraline's head, although she thought the words in the man's voice, but not the girl's. Hello, Coraline said. I saw a cat like you in the garden at home. You must be the other cat. The cat shook its head. No, he said. I'm not the other cat. I'm not the other anything. I'm me. It tipped its head to one side. Green eyes glinted. You people all spread all over the place. Cats, on the other hand, we keep to ourselves. If you see what I mean? I suppose. But if you're the same cat I saw at home, how can you talk? Cats don't have shoulders, not like people. But the cat shrugged in one smooth movement and started to tip off his tail and ended up in a raised movement of his whiskers. I can talk. Cats don't talk at home. No, said the cat. No, said Coraline. The cat leapt smoothly from the wall to the grass near Coraline's feet. It stared up at her. Well, you're, you're the expert on these things, said the cat dryly. After all, what do I know? I'm only a cat. It began to walk away, head and tail high, held high and proud. Come back, Coraline said. Please, I'm sorry. I really am. The cat stopped walking and sat down and began to wash itself thoroughly, apparently unaware of Coraline's existence. We we could be friends, you know, said Coraline. We could be rare specimens of an exotic breed of African dancing elephants, said the cat. But we're not, at least. It added cattily after darting a brief look at Coraline. I'm not. Coraline sighed. Please, well, what's your name? The cat, Coraline asked the cat. Look, I'm Coraline, okay? The cat yawned slowly, carefully revealing a mouth and a tongue of astonishing pinkness. Cats don't have names, it said. No, Coraline said. No, said the cat. Now, you people have names. That's because you don't know who you are. We know who we are, so we don't need names. There was something irritatingly self-centered about that cat, Coraline decided, as if it were, in its opinion, the only thing in any world or place that could possibly be of any importance. Half of her wanted to be rude to it. The other half of her wanted to be polite and differential. The polite half won. Please, what is this place? The cat glanced around here briefly. It's here, said the cat. I can see that. Well, how did you get here? Like you did. I walked, said the cat, like this. Bold as anything. Where's your ticket? Haven't you got one? I don't know. It shook its head, then shrugged. Come on, then. 
He picked up the flashlight in his mouth and trotted off into the darkness. Coraline followed him. When he got near the front of the stage, he had stopped and shown the flashlight into the empty seat. Coraline sat down and the dog wandered off as her eyes... Interesting. Okay. As her eyes got used to the darkness, she realized that the other inhabitants of the seats were also dogs. There was a sudden hissing noise from behind the stage. Coraline decided that it was the sound of a scratchy old record being put on the record player. The hissing became a triumph of noise. Miss Spunk, Miss Spink and Miss Forcible came onto the stage. Miss Spink was riding a one-wheeled bicycle and juggling balls. Miss Forcible skipped behind her, holding a basket of flowers. She scattered the petals across the stage as she went. They reached the front of the stage and Miss Spink leapt nimbly off the unicycle and the two old women bowed low. All the dogs had thumped their tails and barked enthusiastically. Coraline clapped politely, but then they unbuttoned their fluffy round coats and opened them. But their coats weren't all that opened. Their faces opened too, like empty shells, and out of the old empty fluff around their bodies stepped out two young women. They were thin and pale and quite pretty and had black button eyes. The new Miss Spink was wearing green tights and high brown boots that went most of the way up her leg. The new Miss Forcible wore a white dress and had flowers in her long yellow hair. Coraline pressed her back against the seat. Miss Spink went off stage and the noise of trumpets squealed as the grand gramophone needle dug its way across the record and was pulled off this is my favorite bit whispered the little dog in the next seat next to her in the seat next to her the other miss forcible picked up a knife out of the box on the corner of the sage this is a dagger that i see before me yes the other dogs shouted it is miss forcible curtsied and the dogs applauded Coraline didn't bother clapping this time. Miss Spink came back on stage. She slapped her thigh and all the little dogs woofed. And now, Miss Spink said, Miriam and I will pr proudly present a new and exciting addendum to our theatrical position. Do I see a volunteer? The little dog next to Coraline nudged her with his front paw. That's you, he hissed. Coraline stood up and walked to the wooden steps of the stage. Can I have a big round of applause for the young volunteer, Mrs. Spunk said. The dogs woofed and squealed and thumped their tails on the velvet seats. Now, Coraline, said Miss Spunk. What's your name, Coraline? What's your name? But she said her name. Yeah. Coraline, said Coraline. And Coraline we don't... Yeah, she said, now, Coraline, what's your name? Coraline, said Coraline. And we don't know each other, do we? Coraline looked at the thin woman with black button eyes and shook her head slowly. Now, said the other Miss Spink, stand, standing over there. She led Coraline over to a board on the side of the stage and put a balloon on top of Coraline's head. Mrs. Spink walked over to Miss Forcible. She blindfolded Miss Forcible's button eyes with a black scarf and put the knife in her hands. Then she turned around three or four times and pointed her at Coraline. Coraline held her breath and squeezed her fingers into two tight fists. Miss Forcible threw the knife at the balloon. It popped loudly and the knife stuck to the board just above Coraline's head and twanged here. Coraline breathed out like, <sighs> she was scared she was going to get hit. 
The dogs went wild. Miss Spink gave Coraline a very small box of chocolates and thanked her for being such a good sport. Coraline went back to her seat. You were very good, said the little dog. Thank you, said Coraline. Miss Forcible and Miss Spink began juggling with huge wooden clubs. Coraline opened the box of chocolates and the dog looked at them longingly. Would you like one? She asked the little dog. Yes, please. The dog can't have chocolate. Well, they can in the other world, huh? Yes, please, whispered the dog. Not only, not toffee ones. They make me drool. I thought chocolate weren't very good for dogs, she said, remembering something that Miss Forcible had once told her. Maybe where you come from, whispered the little dog. Here, that's all we eat. Coraline could see what the chocolates were in the dark. Oh, couldn't see what the chocolates were in the dark. She took an experimental bite of one, which turned out to be coconut. Coraline did not like coconut, so she gave it to the dog. Thank you, said the dog. You're welcome, said Coraline. Miss Forcible and Miss Spink were doing some acting. Miss Forcible was sitting on the stepladder and Miss Spink was standing at the bottom. What's in a name? asked Miss Forcible. That with what we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Have you got any more chocolate? said the dog. Coraline gave the dog another chocolate. I know not how to tell thee who I am, Mrs. Spunk said to Miss Forcible, but Finish this bit finishes soon, said the dog. Then they start folk dancing. How long does it go on for? Coraline asked. Theater? All the time, said the dogs. Forever and ever and always. Here, Coraline said, keep the chocolates. Thank you, said the dog. Coraline stood up. See you soon, said the dog. Bye, said Coraline. She walked out of the theater and back into the garden. She had to blink her eyes into the daylight. Her other parents were waiting for her in the garden, standing by the side. They were smiling. Did you have a nice time? asked her other mother. Well, it was interesting. The three of them walked back up to Coraline's other house together. Coraline's other mother stroked Coraline's hair with her long, white fingernails. Coraline shook her head. Don't do that, said Coraline. Her mother took her hand away. So, said her other father, do you like it here? I know. Do you like it here? I suppose, said Coraline. It's much more interesting than at home. Then they went inside. Well, I'm glad you like it, said Coraline's mother, because we'd like it if you, if we'd like to think that this is your home. You could stay here forever and always, if you wanted to. Hmm, said Coraline. She put her hands in her pocket and thought about it. Her hands touched a stone that Mrs. Spink and Miss Forcible had given her on the day before that stone given her the day before the stone with the hole in it if you want to stay her father her other father said there's only one little thing that you have to do so you can stay here forever and always they walked into the kitchen on a china plate on the kitchen table was a spool of black yarn cotton and a long silver needle and beside them two large button eyes oh black buttons uh i don't think so said Coraline. oh but you we want you to said her mother we want you to stay and it's just a little thing it won't hurt, said her father. Coraline knew that when grown-ups told you that something wouldn't hurt, it almost always did. She shook her head. Her other mother smiled brightly, and the hair on her head drifted like plants under the sea. We only want what's best for you, she said, and she put her hand on Coraline's shoulder. Coraline backed away. Um, I'm going now, said Coraline. She put her hands in her pockets, her fingers closed, to the st- closed around the stone in the hole, with the hole in it. Her mother's hand scuttled off of Coraline's shoulder like a frightened spider. If that's what you want, she said. Yes, said Coraline. We'll see you soon, though, said her other father. When you come back. Um, oh, 
um, said Coraline, and then we'll all be together as one big happy family, said her other mother, forever and always. Coraline backed away. She turned and hurried to the drawing room and pulled open the door in the corner. There was no brick wall there, just darkness, and an end a night black underground darkness that seemed as if things might be moving in it. Coraline hesitated. She turned back. Her other mother and other father were walking towards her, holding their hands. Oh, holding hands. They were looking at her with their black button eyes. Or at least she thought they were looking at her. She couldn't be too sure. Her other mother reached out her free hand and beckoned gently with one finger. Her pale lips mouthed, Come back soon, she said, She, although she said nothing aloud. Oh, they just mouthed, Come back soon. That's even creepier. Coraline took a deep breath and stepped into the darkness where strange voices and whispers and distant winds howled. She became certain that there was something dark behind her, something very old and very slow. Her heart beat so hard and so loudly that she scared it, that she was scared scared it would burst out of her chest she closed her eyes against the dark eventually she bumped into something and opened her eyes startled she had bumped into the armchair in the drawing room the open door behind her was blocked by rough bricks she was home that is creepy well no i'm just we're gonna break this into four different parts Mm. yeah cool Well, part one is done.